the year was 2016. It was May 28th. One of the most significant days in human history. One might call it a turning point in our civilization. There was a time, a short time, when an important gorilla named Harambe <laughs> lived a life of peace <laughs> and joy before a child destroyed his life. The turning point of our civilization. Are we victim blaming the child? The child is to blame. Harambe was shot and killed. And ever since then, we've had Trump, plagues, famines, disasters. Gun, guns don't kill people. Um, children who the guns are defending kill people. What was that? Is that Jim Bob? That's Matt. He's back. Okay. Matt's back, baby. Also, we need to um, basically make amends for Harambe. We need another child to fall into the pit. This time, the child dies. This time, the child's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And that is how we fix the timeline. Noah is literally advocating for child sacrifice. Hey, whatever it takes to fix the timeline, you know? (laughs) Oh god, Matt was like so loud on my end. I, he was very choppy on my end, so I didn't fully understand what was happening. Oh, you'll, uh, once you hear the actual episode, I think it'll come through. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. That was impressive. Then he just let out a really loud moan. <laughs> <laughs> and. But yes, Matt's back in the house. Incredible. You're not alone anymore. I'm not alone anymore. It's It's been a strange week. How does that week. feel? Honestly, so like there's good and bad. I can say that because Matt's standing right behind me. <laughs> nice. Um, good as in like people to talk to and like I'm not, yeah. I'm literally not living a hermit life 24-7. Mm-hmm. But like, is it, I, I miss a little bit of being, you know, alone all the time because I had so much like freedom. No, that's fair. Like, I, not nearly to the extremity that you had, because I had, like, two weeks in Christmas break where I had the house completely to myself. Yeah. And it was, like, basically the most relaxing two weeks I've had in years. And I just kind of slept and made food for myself and watched a lot of movies. And it was great. Um... (laughs) But I would imagine after like a month or so of that, it would start to get old. Yeah, see, I mean, I was at a month and a half, I think. And it was definitely starting to get old. Yeah. But like, at the same time, I also gotten really used to it, though. There was like a point between like two weeks and like four weeks or four and a half weeks where it was like, yeah, this is kind of weird now. But then... (laughs) You get used to it, and you just kind of, like, do whatever you Mm -hmm. want, and there's so much freedom. Yeah. Yeah, like, that was... I think that was the biggest thing that I realized was how much I was 
um, like performing all the time for people. Mm. Um, and how it was like, oh, there's no expectations. I can just do whatever I want. And then also realizing like how much dumb anxieties were just like totally projected. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. It's been a time. Yeah. At least cases have gone down here. Have they? Yeah, we dropped from like a 9% positivity rate to 5.5%. Oh, really? Is that like recent? Um, It's been over the course of like since they were the the lockdown stuff was instituted. Okay. So I was looking... When I, when I was drafting my email to Goosen, I was looking at charts and they seemed to just like still be going up, but... No, no, cases have definitely gone down. Okay. But I mean... Maybe it was just like total cases... Oh, yeah, total cases, I mean, for sure. But, no, our daily case count is back to, like, the 700, 800 range, which is a little bit better than, like, 1900. Yeah, which is still, like, insane. Oh, it's still incredibly high compared to where we were, but... Yeah, apparently there's, like, a new strain in the U.S. that spreads quicker. I don't... I, I just heard about this today, so I don't know how legit this is. Oh, yeah, no, no, I can explain a little bit of this. It's, like... I think they call it the B117 uh, variant as well as um mm. unless you're talking about like another new strain in the US. I probably not. I know there's a there's a new strain in the UK that's spread and there's one out of South Africa or two out of South Africa. Mm. Um they're both more infectious to some yeah. is, whether it's between 40 or 70%, they're not sure yet. Um still the vaccine is still perfectly fine for both of them which is important um yeah but yeah it is uh it's definitely um it's it spreads more easily so it's not like if it's here it hasn't had an impact yet um there have only been like three recorded cases i think of this variant in alberta okay so but that could change very quickly oh it could change very quickly um if that happens (laughs) we're in trouble but um yeah because i i saw a twitter post where someone was like yeah i didn't know anyone with covid and then this new strain came and then i knew like two dozen it's like oh sick yeah that's the one i saw as well i do think again that's the states versus canada a little bit i can't imagine yeah it getting that much worse than it got when in like peak november december type um right that was pretty like we were getting near our max so I, yeah, at least regard regarding hospital capacity and whatnot. That's why they had to institute lockdowns and whatnot. Right. So I would imagine we're probably we might get back to that level, but I highly doubt we'll exceed it. But I mean, I could be wrong. It yeah. depends if this and, and like again, the evidence about exactly how infectious the strain is isn't right. like rock solid yet. Like they haven't, and it's also yeah, like with hope in the summer people start getting like like publicly vaccinated and stuff and mm-hmm. then that affects numbers once we yeah i mean by march we should see an impact at least on the mortality rate hopefully as more and more um elderly and um our most vulnerable people get vaccinated mhm but i actually know someone personally now who's received the vaccination Oh really? Is it Ethan? Or is it 
It's not whoever. Ethan. I I don't actually I haven't okay. talked to Ethan about that. I'm sure he must be scheduled pretty soon. But um yeah no, it's actually it's Greg Greg Lee. Oh really? Yeah, he's the first person I know who's gotten the vaccine. It's because he works in a long term care home. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um yeah, so you like posted on Instagram about it, and I'm like, oh wow, cool. that's kind of crazy. I wonder. Oh, I may have. I know someone who's a nurse, and I'm trying to remember if I saw, like, a social media post from her that was frequently vaccinated. I may have. Oh, it's very positive, especially if they're a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. There is a delay on the vaccine supply for Canada, though. Um, yeah. Luckily, it's not as bad as it looked like it was going to be at first, but it's still, like, a 50% mm-hmm. reduction over a month, which is not great. Also, fans, the Glenn and Frank fan page is dead. All you simps have failed us sad haven't gotten a new tell in weeks no no that's so sad your audio sure sounds better today oh yeah we can talk about that um so uh so last episode was recorded before like christmas technically um and on my list i basically had I need a mic because it's 2020 and just everything's online and I've got like classes and work technically. I'm like, I would like to use it for future projects. It would just be nice to have a microphone. And so I put it on the list and um, uh, yeah, it was basically that and then movies and Lego. That was my entire Christmas list because I was like, I don't really need that much. And then opening presents um, I see one and it's like a blue kind of cylindrical thing and I'm like oh this is it I got like a really cool mic sweet and then I opened it up and it was a thermos oh god it was just like a blue thermos and I felt so bad um, because like my sister tried to like explain it and rationalize it she was like oh you know like there's like a filter in it for like tea and all these different things. And I was like, okay. Like, that's nice. I don't know how often I will use it for that purpose. But, like, it's hard to go from new microphone to, like, thermos. And maintain the same level of excitement. Wait, did you open this up in person? Yeah, so, like, because I was alone. Yeah. I was able to, like cohort with them okay so you were able i i know you talked about that in the last podcast yeah it was kind of awkward because they kept getting invitations to go to different things and i was sitting there like i'm not going anywhere but you know jesus yeah so how did so so your sister saw your disappointment yeah and then she was like i don't know she just tried to like rationalize it and i feel like she noticed i was like yeah I, I, I tried to be like, this is cool, but I was like, this is not what I wanted. And so I went back home and kind of thought like, all right, I need to get a mic for myself probably because it's just not going to happen otherwise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also don't want to spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so I like fought back and forth on like whether or not I should just go out and grab a mic and find some something. And then Bernie asked me to do, like, a small job, which I don't even know if I did anything. I think he just 
had specific things he wanted me to do. And I was like, all right, I'll do those specific things that you've pointed out for me. Mm-hmm. And then he gave me like $80 for it. And I was like, hey, this is perfect. I'm just going to buy a mic with this money. Hey, that, that works out. Yeah. Typical Bernie. Typical Bernie. And now you have a, a good mic. Yeah, now I have a, a nice blue snowball, which I can do stuff with. The podcast will benefit. Yeah. I was try I was talking to like a sales rep at Best Buy about mics and he he was like, What do you want this for? And I was like, Well, like classroom and other stuff. And then he was like, Do you want do you want to go into content creation? <laughs> and he just kept saying the words content creation, which is like technically like I would like to do some stuff, but it just felt really uncomfortable. I love the words content creation. What a what a lad. What a lad. Should have asked for his like YouTube channel. I'm sure he does it. Oh, probably. Maybe he does tech reviews. You have to like you have to kind of know what you're doing to work at Best Buy. I, I tried to apply at Best Buy once and it didn't get anywhere because I don't know what I'm talking about ever. Yeah, it's kind of like when you apply for scholarships and you're supposed to write a like 1500 word research proposal pr- proposal oh, yeah. and then you realize you haven't actually done any of the research oh speaking uh... of um i so i'm working on my capstone now and mm-hmm. part of the capstone is a 5k paper i should i should send you the syllabus because i want to see how different it is from when rita taught it yeah because this is our, our syllabus is generally like about the humanities and like the relevance of the humanities in the modern age yeah it's very which is yeah which is like an interesting thing to talk about but just it's different so it's not even in the same realm yeah because she you guys mostly talked about like a specific like era right like you guys talked about decadence or something it was like a combination of yeah there was definitely a focus on the decadence but then there was also like kind of what is English focus as well, right? Okay. Whereas this is mostly like what is humanities slash what are your individual disciplines to a degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, our paper says this assignment provides the opportunity to develop a refined piece of work that demonstrates your ability to understand, research, analyze, and communicate a complex issue. My suggestion is that you extend and refine a research paper you have written for a course in your discipline. The result will be a 5,000-word paper, which represents your best work as an undergrad. Faculty are available to provide supervision, etc. So he wants me to select basically a, a thesis, I guess, by Monday. Mm-hmm. And oh, I wow. have no idea. Yeah. That's early. Yeah. Like, he wants us working on it pretty soon. And I have absolutely no idea. Wait. Your final paper is only 5,000 words? Um, I, there's a 5,000-word paper. Was was that not what yours was? <laughs> Mine we was, also like, like 13,000 words. Oh, wow. I Interesting. Because we have that. We have a 1,500-word, another 1,500-word, a portfolio. And then he wants us to do something for ARC, but I have no idea how that's going to work. Wow, that is uh, 
very, very different from what I did in my capstone. Really? I thought I thought you guys were around the same amount for some reason. We out my capstone was like we had one presentation for sure. I remember that. Right. We had yeah. like a, a what is English paper, which is more of like a personal response. And then I'm pretty sure the rest was literally just the final capstone paper. Yeah, because so we have um, Humanities for Our World is one of the small papers, mm-hmm. which I think is the same thing, like what is English to me. And then an academic reflection paper, which they're, they're both just reflection papers. And then so the portfolio thing, I think, is a presentation. But I have I don't fully understand what that means. Yeah, that uh, no, our big biggest difference then is just that the final paper we had to write was like between 30 and 40 pages or something. That's crazy. And yeah, I wrote that in five days, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I like, I think we've talked about this before. Like, my whole method for paper writing is basically like hyper focus on one topic for a week or so Mm. doing research and then turn all of that into a 10 page paper and then never think about it ever again. Yeah. And so like I, a lot of my investment in the assignment is like manufactured, like I'll get interested in the topic definitely, but it's a topic I think about, for that period and then move on from. Mm. And so there's nothing, there's nothing where I'm like, Oh, I want to go back to this and like expand on it because I have so little investment. Yeah. So I, I really, I don't know unless, cause the only, the only thing I can imagine getting invested enough that I'd want to write 5,000 words on is like, something about like pop culture Mm. you could take something from bible and pop culture if you remember anything you wrote back then yeah so i wrote a paper on like moses and the ten commandments and then i wrote a paper on paralandra which are both okay you could definitely do something with paralandra yeah and so i i kind of have like a couple different streams of thought where it's like something on lewis something on the the connection between like Christianity and film, which would be interesting, but it wouldn't be based on anything in particular. It would just be fun, um, that or just straight up like film film analysis, where it's like morality of Ryan Johnson's films or something like that. I mean, you could incorporate like um, literary theory and whatnot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you definitely have some options. I guess my problem is whenever I think about pop culture, I don't feel very um, academic, even if I'm being academic about it. And these are for Ken Draper, who, at least in my mind, is like an academic person. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. There, This isn't writing for Rita, necessarily. No, and exactly. Like, if this was for Rita, I would not care and would just basically give her a 5K paper about The Last Jedi and be satisfied with it. Um, But it's like, it's like a signature work representing your best work and you're supposed to, like, work with a faculty member or something. I'm like, 
I, I mean, I could work with Rita and just do that, but it just picking a topic sounds exhausting. Yeah, it's hard. I don't even know when I figured out my topic. It definitely was not early on. Not this early. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, I literally wrote the paper five days before it was due. Oh, yeah. And it was like a decent paper. It was... I mean, it, it got the job done. I just tried to incorporate everything I'd read throughout my university life. Yeah. And I'm kind of trying to think if there's a good synthesis like that that I could do. Which is kind of where I'm coming from with the thing like like Christianity's engagement with pop culture. Um, yeah. I just don't... I don't know what that would look like. Unless I did something where it was like Paralandra and The Last Jedi, which would be super fun. What about but I like... have no idea what that would even mean. What if you did something like the the god who dies in popular culture? Okay. What what are you thinking? So like one of the the core, I don't know, maybe one of the more significant differences in Christianity compared to some other religions yeah. is that like god dies. And so like mm-hmm. what would that look like in popular culture or how has that um, been appropriated, if that's the right word, in popular yeah. culture. That could be interesting. But I don't know if... I can't think of any, like, pop culture references at the moment that, that would work, but it yeah, just sounds like, interesting to me. Like, obviously Narnia... Um, I don't know, my first thought was, like, Mufasa and Lion King, which isn't, like, quite the same thing, but... Yeah, not quite, but... Anyway. I like the idea of looking at all of Ryan Johnson's movies, but... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I need to think about it. You might need to expand beyond just Ryan Johnson. Well, basically what I would what I would do in that case would be something about like morality. Um cuz like at the very least Last Jedi and Knives Out are both very like morally focused, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really the same for like Looper or Brick. So Oh, you are in Bible and literature. I am in that, which is looks like a super chill class. There might be some uh, works you could incorporate into like a Christianity and pop culture. Because I want, so we're looking at what it's like JB, which I mm-hmm. think is based off of Job. And like, I've, yep. I've already kind of decided I want to write about that because Job is just fascinating to me. Yeah, I wrote about that. It's fun. That could be interesting, like, response to suffering or something. Mm. It's too bad you weren't in wisdom literature. Yeah. It's something I wanted, something that didn't quite work out. Oh, you could have done something like No Country for Old Men and JB and, like... I mean, theoretically, you can still do that. It's true, and you could even talk to Colin and, like... Yeah. Ooh, that would be uh, that would be interesting because uh, No Country for Old Men is also kind of a response to Ecclesiastes. Yeah, yeah, um, and like the randomness of suffering. Yeah, exactly. So you can make you could literally do like a suffering Christian suffering or like a, a Christian ideology of suffering in popular culture mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I'd probably talk like Brennan Noah for that as well, just because. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Like, there's there's a lot you could. Yeah. That, that's actually a good idea. I don't know. I, I would I would dig into mm-hmm. that one. 
Yeah, I'll I'll have to like think about it more today. Obviously, because it's due tomorrow. But Jesus, that's so <laughs> fast. It's mental. I hate it. Like I don't even really feel like the semester has started, and Draper is like, "Hey, make up your mind for the entire next four months." Like this isn't how I function. Oh, I, like I said, I can't I can't write a full research proposal in two weeks. It's not possible when I haven't done the research. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm not. I can't apply for my scholarship. Can you not? Yeah, because I need a full research proposal. That's so sad. And also, I've never done like any conferences or any like don't have any accolades that would would be good to put down. Did you not? Did you not do ARC? Didn't have to. Oh really? Because I know. Yep. Last year, I think Heather and Rachel like had to do ARC for their capstone and then arc was canceled and so it was like shoot what do we do with this yeah i remember something similar happening i don't remember exactly why we didn't have to do arc for capstone but i i kind of want to just do an arc presentation on taylor swift i think that would be great i mean i'm sure people would enjoy it oh yeah that that could that could be more like hey taylor swift or last jedi or something yeah i feel like i could get away with it yeah oh yeah definitely we're already 30 minutes in. Yeah, and we haven't talked about anything, but welcome to our podcast. So, the world's on fire, still. I mean, not literally this time, so that's good. <laughs> not anymore. Last year at this time, the world was literally on fire. That's true. Capitol Hill was on fire for a little bit, though, so... I mean... There were, like, fires outside of I'm not sure it was actually on fire, fire, but, like... That's true. It was, like, a gray area there. Yeah, it, it was definitely a gray time. Um, I slept through most of it. That was fun. Nice. I, I think I was awake for most of it, but it took me a while to be, like, oh, like, this is an actual serious thing that's happening instead of, like, look at these stupid MAGA people. Yeah, I mean, I woke up and noticed that I could only go back 30 minutes in my Twitter feed, and when usually I can go back a few hours, and I'm like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Yeah, things were things were not great. Things were not great. See, I, I don't know if I really have anything to say about, like, what happened, besides, like, I feel like everything's already been said. It was bad. That, yeah, that's the thing, because we wanted to talk about this, and then time has kind of progressed and I, the, the yeah. conversation has kind of played out did you did you watch that doc uh, i didn't get a chance to make it through uh, the documentary no i i've i've seen Sad. like clips on youtube okay the, basically um i'd sent noah an hour-long documentary um that's ostensibly about flat earth but it's mostly about like conspiracies and like the the heartbeat behind conspiracies um which comes a lot to like far right fundamentalism and um basically like kind of what he talks about so he starts with flat earth um and then kind of like the first 10 minutes disproves flat earth just like by going to a lake in banff area and setting up the tech and being like look it didn't it, it wouldn't work um or whatever and then he kind of this is uh, Folden Ideas, by the way. I think the video is like In Search of a Flat Earth. Um, oh, you're not talking about Behind the Curve. No. No. Oh, I thought, okay, that's 
My bad. This this is the one I sent you. It's called In Search of a Flat Earth. And so, yeah, it's by Dan Olson from Folding Ideas. And so the first 10 minutes, he like disproves it. And it's like, look, I, I went to this lake. I set up this tech. I can see curvature. So there is like a curved earth, obviously. And then kind of moves on from there and starts going into like the actual organization and how a lot of it, a lot of the people who like follow the flat earth society are people who generally like have a suspicion of government which everyone does and like a suspicion of like all these different things and something like flat earth society is a compelling simplified argument for them it's it's something that says you know what the world isn't complicated there's not just um, you know, like systemic racism, all these different things that exist in the world and make life like really sucky. It's just the government is evil. They're doing all these things. Um, that's okay. <laughs> and it, it also comes from like kind of an anti-science sort of stance, which is where it gets into like religious fundamentalism of like biblical literalism. Um, oh, if you look like super, super literally at the Genesis account, there is a flat earth presented and science, big science, which is sponsored by the government is like against faith. And so you get that whole dynamic and it basically, yeah, it, it's this like convoluted simplifying of the world where people with like understandable distrust fall into like these giant schemes and just kind of get completely wrapped into it. And the really interesting thing about this talk in, in particular, which is why I wanted you to watch it before talking about it, is like halfway, there's like a, a clean cut halfway through where he's like, yeah, but uh, luckily these days the Flat Earth Society is dying out. There's not as many people in it because they're all going to QAnon. Yeah, yeah, I'm watching through it right now. <laughs> yeah. And so basically takes all of that framework and, like, applies it to QAnon as well. And how, yeah, like, you have these people who are like, all right, um, the government is insanely evil. Hollywood eats children, I guess. And it, it, it's the same kind of justification where it's like, no, there's not systemic racism. There's not power imbalance and, and class struggle. It's just, it's just the government is evil. Um, and that's fine. And um, I love this great awakening and emojis meme oh yeah oh yeah that is pretty much how i imagine most pentecostals and charismatics in america understand the great awakening mm -hmm. and so that's how you get these like this mega push um where you have this completely arbitrized strange view of the world where the left is evil and going to kill your children, and Trump becomes some divine savior, where you need to go and attack Capitol Hill in order to institutionalize your, like, divinely sanctioned leader. I mean, throughout history, there have been people who believe that their leader is divinely, like you said, divinely sanctioned. And, I mean, back in the medieval era, if you had people storming an enemy or your own castle because you think your king is being tossed out. That's a pretty, like, average, everyday thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
So I think you've got people stuck in this, like, monarchical... There's another term besides monarchy that I'm thinking of that I can't right. just... What's the, what's the term for when, like, the king is, is God's representative? I just have divine right. Um, we can work with that. That's fine. You're good enough. Anyway, when you believe yeah. that your leader has the divine right, you will do anything to make sure he stays in power. I mean, that's literally how the medieval hierarchy worked. Um, and it's just kind of continued into this modern age, except we don't live in a... Uh, we don't live in a fiefdom anymore. Yeah, like we live in what's ostensibly a democracy. It, 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 I don't know. There's so much going on. Like I have a tweet in front of me just scrolling. Like the errant Christian participation in the capital insurrection has its roots. This is David Cassidy. Has its roots in the apocalyptic craziness espoused by the likes of the late Hal Lindsey and Tim LaHaye. Their end of the world mania misled many, laying the foundation for conspiracies and the horrid view of the civil government. So many trapped in the maze of this nonsense uh, espouse, which, like, again, is just another layer of this idea of like, oh, the world is going to end. Um, so we're going to bring about the end of the world, I guess. I, the far right is insane. <laughs> like extreme edgy far right. Um, yeah, I mean, when you believe that, I mean, as most of them do, that mm-hmm. Trump is the messiah and he's gonna usher in the end times so that jesus will come back you end up getting people who will do whatever it takes for that to happen hence why Mm -hmm. you have storming of capitol hill or various other what could be considered terrorist attacks from from these people it, it it straight up is domestic terrorism it's white supremacy um but it's because it's white men, it's framed as like, I don't know, they they keep like softening the blows and like these things require heavy handed response and it's just never going to happen. Yeah, and like I think I think it's worth talking about what it means to love your enemies in these circumstances. Sure. Because I think for the vast majority it's actually quite interesting for the vast majority of people on the left. Like mm-hmm. the far right is definitely their enemy. Yeah. And for the vast majority of the far right, anyone left of center is their enemy. Yeah. Like it's really it's actually really interesting. I think the philosophy or the desire behind both the left and the right, how they want, I should say, how they want to treat their enemies mm-hmm. the other side is pretty much identical. Yeah, and I think... There is a difference when that, it comes to an action, to enactment. Sure. Um, but even that, I think, it, it, it falls again to that sort of idea of, like, wanting to simplify the world. Wanting to cut the world into, like, clear, cut and dry sides and mm-hmm. concepts where, like, one person, like, one group is evil and the other group is good. And you're the good guys, and therefore, whatever you do is justified. Well, and it's like, I think there's still a fundamental flaw in, in both ideologies in that mm-hmm. the other side needs to die or not exist in order for there to be yeah. harmony in the world. Um, for Republicans, it's you need to, again, hang anyone who's a traitor, who's not loyal to Trump, yeah. which is very strange, but like... 
and and then for for liberals it's like and the difference again the big difference is enactment like i said because for the liberals i have seen an overwhelming consensus that donald trump should be killed oh really and a, a very specific desire I've seen a lot of him like being removed from office. I haven't seen very much of oh, him sure. killed. I, I'm saying that the desire is for Trump to cease to exist. Hmm. Some people blatantly state, I have had conversations with people who have blatantly stated Trump should die. Um, I have had conversations with people who, who just believe, yeah, he should be removed from office and spend the rest of his life in prison. Um, yeah. Hopefully without a lot of food. Like, there's... There is an overwhelming, maybe I should say, there's an overwhelming consensus that Trump either needs to suffer or cease to exist. Sure, sure. I, that's fair. And it kind of comes back to that whole punch a Nazi campaign from, like, what, two years ago? Yeah. Where, again, the, the answer is to punch Nazis or to try to get rid of the, the other side through violent means. Mm-hmm. And that's from both sides. And and it's how both sides approach different issues of morality as well. It's why you have yeah. um, the Republicans in the right trying to promote conversion therapy because they believe that if yeah. you are a part, if you're different, if you're doing something they believe is wrong and immoral, you A, need to suffer for it, and B, you need to change and be better. And the only yeah. way to change and be better is C, to uh, suffer through retrib- retributive justice. It's worth noting that the desire at the root of this is a desire for vengeance and retribution. You want those who you consider criminals or who are criminals, people who do the wrong thing or act the wrong way, according to you, to suffer for it. Um, And that's obviously not just how the right treats um, the LGBTQ plus community, but it's how they treat any criminal. It's why we have the prison systems that we do, that if you do something wrong, whether it's legitimately wrong, whether it actually harms another human being, or whether it's wrong according to them, they believe they need to suffer vengeance and retribution, whether that's jail time or um, death in some cases. And, And while there's definitely a push on the left to see through with a more uh, a less punitive justice system and a more um restorative system there's definitely more of a push on the left than the right in that regard but i think the inherent desire on the left is the same and that inherent desire being to that those who do wrong need to suffer or those who are wrong need to suffer or those who Whatever. Those who are in the wrong, those who are other in some ways, need to suffer. Now, we get to rocky ground here. Because there's no equating... You you can't equate people who are legitimately wrong. People who have done horrible things. People who are rapists. People who are um, murderers. People who are uh, pedophiles. People who have done all different... Whatever various sorts of things that are genuinely wrong. Versus how... Um, the right will treat minorities or the LGBTQ community and believe that they need to be punished because of just who they are. There's no equating those two things. But having said that, I think the desire on the left is also to see the other suffer. Now, the other in this case would be people who maybe deserve it. Maybe you believe that 
that a rapist deserves to suffer, whether it's years in prison or, in more extreme cases, physical um, mutilation as a response to what they've done. And th- I'm sh- that that comes out of a righteous anger to, uh, to some extent. That when you see that someone has severely hurt a child because of their pedophilia, you you have that that anger that that hatred that like something needs to happen this is wrong and that person needs to suffer for it and you see i i know i've seen it many times uh, whether it's jokingly or seriously people condemning on people on the left condemning people who do wrong to a life of suffering whether that's trump um being killed like i said earlier or whether that's um a, a pedophile having their dick chopped off whatever it is you say you say like rapists should like suffer or whatever and i'm like yeah they should be put in jail we should like be increasing the way we respond to sexual assault but then yeah like there's a difference between saying that and saying like they should die or they should like physically suffer oh for sure and you bring up a good point that we definitely need to also be focusing on how we respond to sexual assault and keeping women safe and creating a safer society but my point is that at the root of this desire for suffering at the root of this desire for vengeance and punishment it's really a desire for justice that's kind of mutilated or interspersed with this desire for vengeance and they're kind of still one and the same because that's at the root of our society that justice has to be done through the lens of vengeance and retribution um, it, it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like something's been done. But I don't think that's the answer, is to try to kill or suffer or seek vengeance in order to solve the problem. I mean, at the root of most of these problems is a lack of education, a lack of health care, a, um, a lack of a proper restorative system that helps people grow and change and become better citizens and that means believing that people can change and i know that's an issue on both sides um i've seen countless times that if someone committed a crime 20 years ago whether that's in many cases of what i'm seeing is typically rape or it's some act of child harm or it's um it typically the more severe crimes um, I don't think a lot of people believe they can change. And that's both on the left or the right, from what I've seen. I don't think people believe that they can change over time. It's why it's why you have people arguing that, that, again, for prison time, for life. Because I don't think people believe that anyone can change. But I, I'm of the opinion that with the proper systems in place, which they currently aren't, but with the proper systems in place, you can change. And that people can change and also achieve justice. Um, now that doesn't mean that you let someone who's a pedophile go out into the world and be able to work with children again. At the very least, it's putting a temptation right in their path and it's not a good idea. Um, but that also doesn't mean that they can't change. And that they can't, through a restorative system, also become productive members of society again. Without suffering through retribution and, and vengeance. As much as that righteous anger is valid and necessary, there has to be a way to maintain the humanity of people who are even the worst criminals, the people who are legitimately the worst of us. There has to be a restorative way to maintain their humanity and bring them back into society. 
but we haven't found that yet. And I'm honestly a little bit worried that I've equated actual legitimate crimes, like real, you know, obviously. On on this podcast, we're very much pro-LGBTQ, and we're very much uh, pro-woman. <laughs> and obviously, people who are rapists, people who are pedophiles, people who are murderers, people who done it, who are um, fascists, people who believe that other people should suffer because of who they are, they, they, they're harmful to the world. Um, and I'm not saying that they, they should get off scot-free like all of these, all of these white men have for centuries after abusing, um, women and children. Um, that's not right either. I'm just advocating for a restorative system that acts out of love rather than hate, that acts out of love for both the person who the victim the person who suffered and for the person who committed the crime and that's the hard part that's the real hard part but i, I am very much scared that i'm equating and i don't know i don't want to come off like that yeah like i think because i had a, i had a conversation about this earlier this week um where i had like an old like chat group startup again all of a sudden and we were all a lot more progressive than we were when we left um but one guy was trying to be like very kind of aggressively centrist about it um and he was like you can't you can't approach this with hate which i agree but he was it was essentially like we were talking about the danger a person like trump represents and how trump has constantly displayed himself to be sexist to be racist to be all of these different things and um the people who continued to vote for him and support him through to 2020 either knew those things or didn't care enough about those things um, to like vote against him. And this guy was like, well, no, you can't, you can't say all Trump supporters are evil. You can't say all of this, which that isn't what we were saying, but it was this argument of like, um, well, just because they supported him doesn't mean they support his racism. Like there are other policies of his that they support, which is fair and true. And that is like a nuanced thing. But again, Trump has done all of these things and represents all of these things. And like, at least the extremists on his side support violently all of these things. And so even if you're not a fan of all of his agendas, if you support him, and put him into office, you're still putting him into office with all of those agendas. And, like, I, the complicated thing that happens here is I generally like to see out both sides and be like, okay, well, here's the good, here's the bad. But when you have somebody where, like, the figurehead of your belief is essentially instituting fascism, it makes it really hard to break everything into nuanced sides, even if we should, because I've seen this a lot on. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I've seen a lot where it's for some people, the answer is like, we should not, because this is the same thing that happened, not the same thing, but like what happened with the whole election fraud no nonsense mm -hmm. is essentially Trump and his staff wanted to overturn the democracy. Yeah. And so they constructed this fabrication that the election was fraudulent um, with 
little to no evidence. Like everyone involved in, in like overseeing it, um, like Trump would bring this and they'd be like, we have no proof of this. So we're not going to start an investigation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people on the left, their response has basically been like, we should not even entertain these ideas because of how absurd they are. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, I, I, you get a centrist perspective, which is like, well, why not? Like, do the investigation, prove that it's wrong, um, and then you've disproved them. But then, and this is like kind of the same territory that we're in, where it's like, by even engaging with like this equating, mm -hmm. are we just paying lip service to ideas that don't even deserve lip service? And that that is that is fundamentally the question. I think you and I would yeah. both agree that being gay is not something that needs to be fixed, but being a pedophile is something that obviously needs to be addressed. Exactly. But like that's because of the the worldview that we have. Yeah, and I I guess the question that you're trying to ask is how do we communicate with a worldview that is so diametrically opposed? Basically, that's basically what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I don't I don't know how <laughs> we how how we how we love our enemies in that in that way. Yeah, because it's not even about like seeing our differences because mm -hmm. the differences that we can see, you see in like abstraction and then you think about them for a second like we've yeah. done just now and say, no, these are completely different conversations. And one of these is in good faith, and the other one isn't. And you can argue that we're just saying that because we live in a like, certain perspective, sure. But uh, again, you can see like the ripples of history um, from Trump to Hitler. Like, Obviously, it's kind of a trope, but it's also, I mean, Hitler was brought in by the German government to unite the far right, um, like, there are just clear and obvious parallels. Um, and so he represents something, like, intrinsically dangerous to um, people's safety, to, like, the democracy of America, all these different things. So how do you, like, respectfully engage with people who support something that, like, is so clearly dangerous? Yeah, what, what, what do we do? How do we, how do we properly address people who are... Who who we believe are wrong or yeah. who are objectively wrong? How do we how do we engage with people? How do we love people? How do we, how do we treat people who, who yeah. are criminals who have done things that are are wrong or whether that's in the eyes of society or whether that's from uh, a more moral mm -hmm. perspective? How do we treat them? How do we engage? How do we rehabilitate yeah. people? How how uh, what what do we do with the yeah. people we disagree with? And it like, I think what's going to happen, I mean, in three days, the inauguration is going to happen, and hopefully it all goes well. <laughs> it probably will have happened by the time yeah, this episode goes out. Yeah, it will almost surely have happened by the time this episode goes out. So if there was, like, a giant crisis on the 20th, we apologize in advance. But yeah, like, after that day, there are still going to be a lot of people who are, like, fervent supporters of Trump. That's not going to go away overnight what is going to happen to that like group of people that, that, that's that's really the question like i i don't know and how trying to discuss things with people whose beliefs are rooted in 
non-reality is like you're trying to convince someone who believes that there's a space station on Mars with a vibrant alien civilization. That yeah. There's nothing there. Like we're on two different, we're on two different, totally different spectrums that we can't even like, how do you can't convince someone that, that there isn't a floating teapot mm-hmm. in between Mars and earth or, and you can't convince, you can't convince someone that there is like, yeah. And this is, this is like, it's just two totally different. Yeah. And I mean, this is also something that like Dan Olson talks a little bit about in like his documentary. And I don't remember the conclusion that he comes to, but it's basically like you can't logically reason with a flat earther because they exactly. they don't want to be reasoned with. That's not a desire that they have. It's not about necessarily like intellectual honesty as much as it's like I am in this group. This group gives a safe and secure view of the world for me. I have no interest in leaving this. Yeah, exactly. And it's when you get into morality and when people have a different sense of morality, yeah. when your sense of morality is that consent is the fundamental basis for sexual sure. relationships. And therefore, if another being, whether that's a child, an animal, whatnot, whatever you want to put in, if they cannot consent, which or as someone who's di- who is disabled, yeah, someone who cannot consent, Obviously, it's wrong, but then you come from the perspective of someone who's a conservative, and they have more of an, an objective morality, where it's like, right. no, it's wrong because God says yeah. that, so. That is when when you have that objective morality, which is their understanding that God says being gay is wrong, we're on totally two different planes. Yeah, how do you have that discussion? Yeah, how, and and that's not and that's just engaging in conversation. That's not even loving people. No, exactly. And, like, I think framing it in terms of morality is, like, a good point. Because, I mean, it's so... It's such a different question to be, like, oh, I I disagree with someone on, like, maybe, like, a basic level. Like, oh, this person is, like, Muslim and I'm Christian. We have different views of the world. Can we get along? Yes, obviously. As long as you're not, like, super, super hard right and think whatever like um but 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 there's such a difference between that which is kind of an abstract and like how do i love people who i view as like actively damaging the world in some way exactly exactly and that can and this is a question that should be asked of both liberals and conservatives how do you how do you love someone who you believe is not only just wrong Mm -hmm. but is destroying either the world, the country, whatever. In America, it's, oh, liberals are destroying the country. Mm-hmm. And then liberals say, no, conservatives are destroying the country. Mm-hmm. And one might be rooted in, in truth. One might be, in fact, I would say one is rooted in truth. <laughs> um, and one not. But that discussion still needs to be had. Yeah. Or else we end up with just this massive divide which is where we're at now, yeah. and no one can even, no one can even converse with each other. Yeah, there, there are numerous friendships that have ended. Yeah, relationships that have ended yeah. because of these damaging views or damaging beliefs or damaging actions at the worst mm-hmm. that are all the result of this huge ideological divide. And I mean, like, th- this falls into so many. Like, we we we've somehow politicized the wearing of masks which should be like a basic health and safety thing 
but we've managed to make exactly. it a political issue. Yep, that's it. that's exactly it. We've we've managed to make people dying from a virus a political issue. Yeah. And it's which, and then yeah, like, I mean, where, where I kind of went with that one conversation with my friend was sort of a place of like, I. Because his, his fundamental thing was like, we shouldn't hate people. And I'm like, I agree with that. That's fine. And I don't I don't think I hate Trump supporters. I'm baffled by them, for sure. Um, if there's anyone in that group I hate, it's Trump specifically. And I think his supporters are severely misled. And I think that's disappointing. But we shouldn't hate them just because we disagree with them. Like, that, that's still where I stand. But we also can't be fully impartial. We can't just, like, sit on the sidelines and watch because there are lives at risk. And so we have to find a way to, like, responsibly engage with the people around us. I guess uh, the reason that my mind went to, like, how conservatives treat the LGBTQ Mm. community is because I think we end up at this point, like... Do we love the sinner and hate the sin? Is that is that what we're saying? Which is so like, yeah. Because I feel like that's what we're saying. But it's exactly the thing that we both have agreed yeah. is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Like so, so is that what we do? I, like I don't know. Um. <laughs> like, like, and maybe maybe it is like when when it comes to the LGBTQ community, it's not about. It's not the fact that loving the sin or hate the sin is necessarily wrong. It's that you're equating their identity with yeah. being sinful. Here, let right? me say this. Like, that's the primary issue. I think where our problem is, partially, is we're looking at this... Like, the scope that we're looking at this is very, very large. It's true. Because when it comes to, like, do you love or hate, say, like, the far right as a, as a nebulous mass... That is a very difficult question. Mm -hmm. But if you ask, do you love or hate, like, the person next door? Individuals. Yeah. Like, the person next door who maybe supports Trump, even though we're in Canada, or, like, supports far-right ideals. How do you engage with that person? Yes. I guess you engage with them as you would any person, like, as a friend, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I... At least for me, like conceptually, I think it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, like I can love one person versus an entire collective. And I mean, we we kind of talked about this in brief in terms of like evil and sin. Like we kind of texted about this where it's, are are people evil? Are people sinful? Uh, That's like a debatable question. Are structures and systems evil? Do they carry sinful practices sure i'm super comfortable with making that statement well this is Um, like something john steingard tweeted yesterday sure yeah what a joy to find that there are no good and bad people there are just people and there are good and bad ideas Mm -hmm. and like you can't convince an idea that it's bad exactly but you can maybe over time and through you through the way you engage with someone, convince a person that their idea is wrong. But, like, it's it's easy to say that when we're talking in... Like, <laughs> it's very easy to say that. <laughs> like, this is a very nebulous, like, okay, if there's a hypothetical person, but let's say you know someone who is 
a rapist that got out on bail or something or someone who is legitimately a white supremacist who goes around and legitimately tries to fight any black person he comes across or any person of color for that Mm -hmm. matter um how do we actually love and engage with those people someone you know has done damaging things to other people what do you do in that circumstance that's a lot harder to to address than just like hypothetically there is this person who is has bad beliefs what about someone who has bad beliefs that have led to bad actions i think of the story of that one guy who became friends with what was it 50 members of the kkk and ended up showing them how like deluded and wrong their beliefs are yeah but like yeah i think that's a lot easier to said than done no exactly and i mean I think this comes back to this idea of like, try as we might, we can't simplify the world. The world kind of sucks and is complicated and everything is nuanced and everything like exists in nuance. And so it's hard to come up with like a basic answer to like such an over overbearing question because like things are complicated. Um, and that's why it's so much easier to just straight up like cancel people or even yeah. just yeah. toss them away or put them in prison for life or mm-hmm. in the worst cases execute them which for some reason yeah. is happening in the US again whole other topic but like oh yeah it's so much easier to just be like no they are damaging they are hurting people mm-hmm. they are therefore wrong and they need to be gone there is no hope for this person. There is no reason yeah. to talk to them. There's no reason to befriend them. You don't want to befriend them because you're legitimizing them. Yeah. Yeah. And is that I mean, the I best remember... way to do it? And I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I even remember going to like YC in whatever year it was and them announcing on the loudspeakers that uh, Saddam Hussein had died and people were like cheering. Mm hmm. And it was like, what is happening? Like, what, what is this world that we're in where we can celebrate that a man was killed, no matter like how objectively heinous his actions were? Like, but, but but people absolutely would even now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like nothing's changed. If Trump were shot tomorrow. Oh yeah. There would be legitimate dancing in the streets. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. I mean. When, when he was, like, um, when, when like, he went to the hospital because he had COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone was, like, this, like, this, this is justice. This is... See, but, like, is that wrong? It's, like, the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it is it wrong to celebrate when someone bad dies? And, I, like, I feel like it is, but at the same time, I feel like it's also justified. And it's, like... Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I... I wonder if something can be justified and still be wrong. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you you brought up Star Wars, so like the the thing that I've been thinking about this naturally is, um, like the end of the Last Jedi. It it's not about fighting what you hate; it's about protecting what you love or saving what you love, which are very distinct perspectives of the world. And I think it's very easy to engage in one and hard to engage in the other. See, like, I fundamentally agree with that line, but I still feel like the way it was presented in that film is very cheesy and too, like, it should have been more subtle, but whatever. 
It's not. It's right. I have, it's, I have you're right. No problem with cheese in my Star Wars. More cheese, please. I mean, one thing I will say about the Last Jedi—they got the <laughs> cheesy lines right. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's such a frustrating thing because I don't. I genuinely yeah. like. In theory, it sounds good, <laughs> but in practice, and, and this is where, like, as a Christian, my answer and it's not even necessarily satisfying, but I think it's right to a degree. Is like it takes genuine Christ-like servant-heartedness, mm. and you can you can frame that however you want, whether it's like an actual like Christian perspective or not, or just like be a good person, but. Like, you look at the way that Christ walked and the way he engaged with people and the way he engaged with the society around him. And it was, like, genuine, like, unashamed love. Mm. And people hated him for that. People hated him for the way he treated people and the way he, like, respected people and all these different things. And I think part of it is realizing we all have the capacity to, at the very least, feel or believe some of the things or even do some of the things that we consider uh, to to be wrong yeah we all have felt like maybe not actually doing it but we all have been like wow i really want to kill that guy oh yeah or we all have felt we've all had desires or thoughts or something that'd be like well if i actually did that that'd be pretty fucked up like yeah. we all have that shadow that shadow side in ourselves mm-hmm. and recognizing that other people are in some ways a lot like you in that they're complicated and gray and mm. have maybe done things or believed things that are wrong, but it doesn't mean they've lost their humanity. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't mean they're just pure evil and need to be, I don't know, murdered. Yeah. Or cease to exist. Like, yeah. it, it, <laughs> but and then you'd still get to that weird point where like how do you love someone like that and befriend them but not legitimize damaging things they do or believe that's because you don't want other people to get hurt that's that's the problem yeah and it's hard because like i i mean i can think of like some very specific examples of people who i like met and befriended and we disagreed and that was fine yeah but just as our lives have gone in separate paths, I like, I have become more what I would call progressive and they have become like more hard right conservative. And as that's (laughs) maybe, (laughs) and like, as that's happened, the ability to just find a happy middle ground has like faded away. And it's, it's less and less like, is this a, a productive conversation or are we just not talking about the things we disagree with? Exactly. There's like Pete Rollins talks about this. I feel like it referenced Pete Rollins more than anyone else on this podcast. Um, oh, really? He talks about he talks about there being like a a knot at oneness at the root of things, right. and I kind of love it. Yeah, and like not just from like an evolutionary point of view, but from like a he talks about democracy being an example of a knot at oneness. And that the ideal democracy is not where one side takes over and makes their views the, the, yeah. the fundamental, but where both sides are able to engage in this dialogue that is helpful and productive. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like, like that's the answer. Yeah, 
but it's it's still not easy. I mean, oh yeah, kind of like going back to this one conversation that I had. Like, I I would love there to be a world where like the Democratic and Republic parties, the like the conservatives and the liberals, were in a healthy conversation and both had like equal perspectives and equal points and equal measure that they could bring to the conversation and have legitimately like interesting democracy. But when you see, especially in the U S like how much the, the far right, how much the conservative or the, the Republican governments or whatever have like suppressed black voices and suppressed like LGBTQ voices and built the system in such a way that people have to like fight tooth and nail. I mean, right now on social media, we're having like the whole minimum wage conversation and like, that's all part of it. It just becomes very hard to have like an equal conversation between two sides, even after Trump is gone. And and you're totally bang on. And (laughs) I still, I still don't know how you, how you end up bridging that gap when you have people who actively on the right are trying to argue that immigrants aren't even worthy of being people therefore cast them out of the country or lock their kids in cages or like or that lgbtq people are just like monsters who need to be go through damaging and harmful therapy if you can even call it therapy it's more like torture that will force them to ignore their their natural response to things um and and then but like we say that and we're right i truly believe we're right and what we're saying is true but then you have people Mm -hmm. on the right who will say how can i even have a conversation with people who believe that it's okay to kill babies or that it's okay to oh disobey the law of our lord jesus christ and submit to their natural or unnatural desires when it comes yeah. to, to being to, to being gay and it's like how do you how do you even conversate with these people yeah like when when there's such a diametric opposition and yet we have to that is literally like the nature of the world that is the nature of of life is yeah. opposites d- interacting mm-hmm. and i just don't know how to do that in a way that not only loves the person, but loves the people who are being hurt. No, exactly. Like, because I think about this more and more with, like, my family and, like, the way I see them treat or, like, at least talk about, like, LGBTQ people. And I'm like, do I, like, stand up for this? Or, like, do I, like, stand up for, like, these people, like, these friends of mine? Um but I know if I do, it's like only going to fall on deaf ears and it's just not going to be a conversation and it's going to turn into an argument. So at that point, is there, is there any like utility in it? I, I honestly don't know. In some ways it would just be easier to cancel the other side. And I think honestly, you ask both sides, they want (laughs) the other side canceled. They want them gone. (laughs) It would be easier. Yeah. It would be easier if they just split and made their own nations. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not the answer. That's not going to solve anything. Like, yeah. you can you can, you can can cancel 
I, I feel like I hate can like I still have an issue with the word cancel, but like you can force Donald Trump to cease to exist. You could Oh yeah. Heck you could force whatever alt right party whatnot to cease to exist. You could mm-hmm. really when it comes to anything you consider morally wrong, you could force every criminal, rapist, white supremacist, whatever, you could force them to cease to exist. We'd still have the same problems. And this is, I mean, this is kind of like where I said earlier, like, a couple days, Biden will be inaugurated. Um, yeah. The MAGA crowd will still, still they be there. cease to exist. And even if we have, like, a Democratic Senate and all these different things, and the people who um, supported the fraudulent election calls are kicked out of office, and all of these, like, social changes come about and decisions are revoked um you'll still have like people on the far right who are like i'm being oppressed i'm being persecuted this and this and this i still don't know how to engage with those people exactly and there might even be individual justice at work there if holly is kicked out of his senate seat or ted cruz Mm. is forced to step down there might be might be individual justice but it's not going to solve any grand problem like we will wake up the next day and there will be the same people calling for the same things. Yeah. Complete side note. Um, but there's, uh, cause it's Josh Hawley. Who's like the, the politician, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Cause there's, there's a musician, I think named Joe Hawley. Oh yeah. Um, and, and every time I see the politician, I instinctively think it's the musician. And they're like, oh no, what happened? But then it's like, oh wait, no, it's it's a scumbag. Never mind. I'm pretty sure there's also like a producer named Noah Hawley, and that always mixes me up. Oh, too. there is. Yeah, he's he's uh Greta Gerwig's husband. Wait, really? I believe so. Are we thinking about the I same think that's Noah Hawley? Let me check. Wait, no, that's not her husband though. No? Noah Hawley. Okay, no, yeah, Noah, Noah Hawley is. Sorry, yeah. Okay, so Noah Hawley did like Legion and Fargo and super yeah. weird trippy stuff. Who? Uh, Noah Bombach. <laughs> That's why. Okay. Yeah, not not, not Hawley. Justified not, not Holly. that. But um, like I'd love to wrap up this podcast and be like, so just love that person you know next door who might be a a raging. Yeah. I don't know, raging homophobe, raging white supremacist. But, like, I I don't know. It doesn't make me feel any better. No, I agree. And, like, I don't know, maybe the point is that you shouldn't feel better. Mm. Um, Mm. Maybe the point is to, like, engage in the tension, Mm. engage in, like, the frustration, because that's kind of what being human's about. Dang, yeah. You're 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 right on with that. I don't know. I I don't know how to tie this in. I don't know if there's a clean tie-in. Just like for Nikayla Reese's class, we're reading two books, and both of them are kind of genuinely about like a theology that matters and actually affects the world. And mm-hmm. they're both kind of rooted in like this Genesis one perspective of like the Imago Day yeah. and like the intrinsic inherent like, goodness, good humanity of a person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Sharon Harper talked about that, and Dian- Danielle Schroyer at Evolving Faith. Yeah. No, the the one book is by Lisa Sharon Harper. Yeah, I kind of figured. You can believe there's inherent goodness, and try to breathe into that, but like, it mm-hmm. still is hard. 
Yeah. Because I, I mean, I, that's literally my whole perspective. But yeah, how do you how do you uplift one person's inherent goodness when somebody else sees that as an attack on their inherent exactly. goodness? Exactly. That's exactly the problem. And, and the, the answer is I don't know. The answer is I don't know. I guess part of the answer is just ah. Uh, I don't like that. I was gonna say like do what you believe, but like. Well, <laughs> no, we I, I kind here. of, I kind of get what you're getting at there. I mean, Ralph yeah. Waldo Emerson in his essay Self Reliance mm. talks about sure. how it's he literally talks about virtue signaling, which is funny, <laughs> and how like it just acting for the sake of of a pleasing or conforming to society's virtues is is pointless. It doesn't sure. do anything for you. It doesn't tell you anything about the person themselves. You have to act mm-hmm. out of your own self, your own soul, yeah. your own being. And I think I think a lot about A Prayer by Thomas Merton, um, which at the heartbeat of it is this idea of like, like, Lord, I don't always know what I'm doing. I screw up all the time. But I believe that um, the, uh, oh, shoot, what is it? the desire to please you does in fact please you. And like, I want to continue pursuing that desire. And for me, like, I think the the fundamental cornerstone of the Christian faith is like loving people and like loving God and through that loving other people and respecting their humanity. And that is what I try to do at the foremost of everything that I do. Like, I screw up a lot, obviously, but, like, I think as long as that is your pursuit to genuinely engage and love with people or engage with and love people, even if you screw up, that's okay. I guess, like, the fear is just, can that be, like, misconstrued to someone who's, like, I'm loving people by hating gays, but, like, I don't know. (laughs) See, and, like, you have to do what's true for you, true to yourself, and not worry so much about how other people will take it or how other people will misconstrue it. Uh, I get the concern. You don't want to say, like, oh, believe, like, do what's true for you, and then someone might take that as, like, oh, I truly think that hating gays is what's true to me, and that's how you love people. But, like, you know, do you know what Emerson would say to that? And, like, literally what? in his essay, it was, like, I don't give a shit what other people think about me. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do what's true and sure. if I don't conform to them or if they try to misconstrue or take what's true for me and use it to justify their own hatred then like fuck them. That's it. <laughs> um, I'm using more severe language, but I, I honestly that's the tone you get when you read Emerson talk about this. Um uh. so I think like the point is act out of the divine in you and try to see the divine yeah. in, in other people. Yeah. And you're going to get a whole lot of wild gray areas and it's probably going to Case suck in point, and hurt. this podcast. But like, you, you have to try. And hey, you know what? Oh, did this get deleted? What? Please tell me you did not just lose your end of the podcast. No, no, sorry, not the podcast. Oh, Holy there it is. Just crap. the retweet. I was looking for the retweet um, about the only thing holding America together being podcasts. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah I saw that. <laughs> I feel like it. I feel like I should end this podcast with "What's true for Mark Hamill might not be true for you." 
Oof. <laughs> Mood. But true for me. <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> didn't you didn't you have stuff you wanted to talk about before the episode ended? Or did I? Did I have something else? You said you wanted to talk about like the future and stuff. Oh, you mean with regards to me moving forward? Yeah. I just wanted to take a break from hosting. That was it. Okay. It's not really that okay. big of a deal, though. I do think, like, I was debating because I don't. I've had some mental health. I- I don't want to say I've had mental health issues because that sounds vague and serious and depressing. Um, I actually <laughs> haven't been depressed, which is actually surprising. Um, I've just that had a ton, a ton of anxiety and mm. um tension and stress, and it's just been overwhelming, and I can't handle things the way I used to. Um. So it's just a lot more effort to put into um, hosting right now. Um, so I might sure. I, I might take a break for an episode or two just to focus on hopefully finding a counselor that's not going to cost me out the wazoo. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I might still like jump on sure. the episodes and like it'd be like the interviewer kind of thing because that was kind of fun. Sure. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should make changes moving should. forward. I did talk about that at the end of the last episode, but I don't really know. I yeah. haven't decided exactly on what it would look like. Should people be concerned about me or about the podcast? Either way, uh, don't be concerned about me. I my issues are all anxiety related, which at the very least is not like self harm. Good. It's like I'm. I'm in a good. I'm in a good place with regards to like myself i'm just okay anxious all the time which i i had gotten better at but it's just with the pandemic yeah. and then with other things no for sure it's just been um a bit of a things have just mounted and now they're starting to come to the surface yeah. and i've realized that in the last few weeks and so i figured maybe easing off on the podcast might be at the very least helpful for a little bit of my mental health um because sure. putting yourself out there and, and doing this is kind of draining, but interesting. At least that's what I've. It, it depends. It depends on the day. Like the last two episodes we recorded for me were really, really hard. Um, yeah, and but, I, I think that does show to an extent. What? Sorry. Like you've sounded more invested, I guess, in this episode than like. Oh, absolutely. The the previous two. Well, I don't even remember. I just remember talking about escapism in the one before the last one. Yeah. And you got really heated about it, which confused me. I got heated um, in, in in post. That's fair. I don't think I was heated in the moment. I got pretty heated in post, though. I was I was pretty yeah. actually upset at that point. Um, mm-hmm. I was I, I was pretty upset during the episode after that too. But like, no, I I noticed that as well. No, that was like a a rough three days, four days. Actually, it was a rough yeah. week. Um, yeah, because those were recorded like back to back, basically. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe, like, you egging me on pissed me off in post more so than in person. Um, right. That and bothered me. And I guess that's what, um, but that's what my fear was. Because with both that and, like, the, the Amy situation, like, are we are we egging Noah too much? Because if we are, oh, I'm With the bad. Amy situation, I was done. I, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you guys. And I, I didn't want to put this at the end of the episode because I didn't want to make... It was a good episode listening to it back sure and i didn't want to be like this episode was so bad for me and it triggered all of my anxiety (laughs) but like um genuinely 
at that point when I kind of jumped to interviewing, I was very, very close to just ending my part of the, the podcast. Um, right. I, I won't lie to you. That was probably listening back was really, really hard and going through it was really, really hard. That was, <laughs> that was like, it just brought back a lot of anxieties and stuff from like high school and, and junior high and oh, like yikes. very similar situations. And so I just, I was, I didn't have the capacity to power through that time. So y'all are lucky. I even asked interview questions because that was the only thing <laughs> I was capable of at that point. Um, that yeah. was really, really hard. Um, and it's not your guys' fault. It's not like you... I think I... I don't remember if I said this or if I, I... I talked to Maddie about this already. Okay. You guys weren't doing anything that was necessarily any different than a normal conversation. I would say you guys were... And that's what I thought. You guys were harder. Uh, like, it was more so that it was like a two-on-one and like it doubled up. And so things were just harder for me to... Comp- not even comprehend, but just to like... Yeah. Yeah, it was just like it was overload. Just, yeah, it was an it was exactly that. It was an overload, and I just it's it's twenty twenty one. We don't talk to like more than one person at a time. Well, exactly, and it was just like being trying to convey my perspective, but being like shut down on every point was just hard, and I didn't have the capacity to deal with that at that point. Right. Um. And it, so again, it's not like you guys were in any way more, uh, I don't know, rude or whatever than usual. <laughs> that sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> But like, um, <laughs> no, like it, it was no different than usual. I don't even feel like the escapism episode anyone was different than usual, except for me being a bit more okay. sensitive. Um, it was just, yeah. but but yeah, no, the the Amy thing that again, I think what happened was just uh, things got way too personal, and um, okay, Maddie was like psychoanalyzing me, which helped. Yeah, yeah, that also wasn't great. Um, <laughs> straight up, yeah, it, I guess maybe. Some of my sensitivities were attacked in that episode unintentionally. Sure, but they were. Yeah. Um, and so that definitely just it, it, things just were not good mentally for me. I'm just glad that yeah. I didn't have wine beside me. <laughs> I went. I'm not gonna lie. I went and drank after that episode. Whew. Yikes! I I went to town. But no, Maddie and I already had a conversation about that episode. Um, okay. She she felt bad, and I was like, "It is, it's fine. Oh. You're you're fine. Um, I'm the host. Uh, you're the guest. You shouldn't be feeling bad." There was there was a whole thing there, but we, we had a good conversation, and so That's good. Th- things are all good. I, yeah. Um, for anyone concerned, Matt was really concerned. Was he? Oh, Matt was like, he he was concerned for my well being, and he was concerned like, "No, are you and Glendon okay? Are you guys like?" Are you going through yeah, something? I, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like I, because he listened to both episodes pretty like back to back, and he's like, uh, yeah. guys. <laughs> um, so I had to, I had to ease his doubts and fears a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I like, I, I, I just wanted to like affirm it because you like had a whole tag section on like your thoughts on Evermore, and I was like, this is really good. This is like a good, thoughtful response especially like the sense i get is that your experience with evermore is similar to my experience with lover where Mm. like a lot of people talk about lover like it's this huge messy album and i'm like i i just don't see it it i just adore this like this is just a smattering of moods and i'm fine with this exactly exactly. and that's okay for me 
Yeah. That's that's kind of my, that's how I interact with a lot of media. If I like it, it's because it evokes something emotionally in me and I either relate to it in some way or it does something where I just feel like I like it. And I don't even like, Mm -hmm. like I said, I'm like, I don't even know if I want to like explain why I like it. I just really do. Yeah. And, and that's kind of. That's how I interact with most media, and that's why, like, mm-hmm. having critical discussions about it maybe is harder for me than I realized because it, I get so emotionally invested in in certain things, and it becomes almost like a part of my identity. Yeah, and, and so that's that, hard. and so things get that's when you discuss it, things get personal. <laughs> but um, I I definitely don't let anything in pop culture become a part of my identity, and then get heated when I talk about it. <laughs> I'd like to have <laughs> you and Mark Hamill on the podcast. Dude, if you could get Mark Hamill on the podcast, that would be incredible. I would like you, Mark Hamill, and John Boyega. Oof. I would be... I don't know if I would say a word. <laughs> um, be, maybe get Ryan Johnson on, too. We could be play media. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot, like, for both of those episodes, I was very much locked into this place of, like, I didn't receive Evermore as glowingly as I did Folklore, yeah. and I desperately like wanted to rationalize it mm. and like find a find a breaking point between the two. And I think I may have finally like found what the difference is recently. I was just like listening to Random Ones on Shuffle, and I think Evermore is just musically more subdued. Mm. And I think that's honestly maybe like the biggest thing is it's more subdued. It's a bit more like lyrically raw, just in terms of like the way it's written yeah. and it's it's just so slightly different that it kind of rubs against folklore a little bit but it's it's its own thing and that's fine and i feel like maybe rationalizing why we like or dislike something can kind of it almost like i don't know if it's helpful i feel like darren said that one time <laughs> do you need to rationalize why you like or dislike something i feel like darren yeah. has said that like the answer is no yeah and it's, I, I think part of where it comes from is, like, media isn't objective, but I have this deep, like, need for it to be objective. Mm, yeah. And, like, at the very least to find, like, objective measures for things in terms of, like, I can justify why I appreciate this because this, this, and this. And I I come into, like, tension and frustration when, like, that just falls apart in front of me. Which yeah. is a bit of a character flaw, but... No, it's understandable. I mean, we both come away from a Christianity that was objective and, like, the, sure. the ground of things. And gone into a space sure. where nothing is really as objective, which is why this whole episode is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, like... It's... Title this episode, like, Objectivity or something like that. Yeah. We, we cling. We cling to ob- objectivity. Like... No, it's true. It's it's, it's a, comfortable. It is. It's comfortable, and like it also ca- causes us to suffer. But like um, realizing that there is no such thing as objectivity, at least in any maybe achievable sense. I'm not saying necessarily yeah. there's no such thing as objectivity, but like we can't really yeah. grasp it. Maybe. Um, yeah. So we try to find things that can be in some way um, objective mm-hmm. and whether that's film or pop culture or our political beliefs or our religious beliefs, yeah. we try to to find that objectivity in order to not only make ourselves feel comfortable, but in some ways it helps to other people as well. No, it's true. And that's how we get this massive political divide. Yeah. 
I will say, like, on the topic of Evermore specifically, I do want to retract one thing I said. Mm. Um, because I made a lot of noise about not finding, like, clear, discernible themes. Yeah. It. Um, and two things have happened since then. First of all, I watched, I think, an Apple Music interview with Taylor, mm-hmm. um, where the interviewer is like, it's a really solid interview, just like about Evermore and like a little bit about Folklore's release. Um, and he identifies like closure as a major theme in terms of like things ending, things ending dramatically, mm-hmm. things just kind of like separating. Um, yeah. And the two songs that were just released for the deluxe version, or at least just put on to like YouTube and streaming, yeah. are both about that topic. Um, which I think like really hammers that in. Like one of them is things falling apart super dramatically, and one of them is kind of like willingly stepping forward and moving on. And I think those are both good like caps to kind of what the arcs of Evermore are. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I also try like how I tried to justify it as being transcendent and imminent. <laughs> uh, That's true. Um. <laughs> Which I still think there is something to it about Taylor trying to unite the fantasy and the reality mm-hmm. of things. I do. No, think... I I agree. There is something like I think about both of those albums. There is something like innately kind of fantastical about them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, uh... you look at like the music video she put out, and they're both kind of yep fantasy aiming towards that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah, yeah. There's a, a lot more there than I don't know, but at the same time, it just makes me feel good. So. <laughs> but I think that will probably wrap it for this episode. Glendon has things to get to. Yeah, like things I should get to. It's not like a necessity. It's just a thing that. But it's a good thing. Good. It is a good thing. It's a good like scheduling system. You should join good thing. Uh, I don't like doing online Zoom church. That's totally valid, and it's a very I weird. Most. Thing. It is a very weird thing, and I mostly, honestly, just do it out of like obligation, more or less. It gives me a rhythm that I mm. fall apart without. Oh, I, I kind I feel that I've missed my Sunday rhythm. Yeah. No, it's because like this is something that I realized because um, I went to like a barbecue. So no, it was like everyone brought their own food. Um, I went to that. Yeah, kind of a potluck sort of thing, except I didn't bring any food. Um, yeah, because I took transit, and I went to that, and I was like, "This is good," and then I just continued going to services. Um, and I realized kind of in that initial time, like this like COVID space from like basically March until what November, I think that was, is like the first chunk of time I've had where I haven't regularly gone to some sort of church service, mm. which I think I need to like sit down and wrestle with at some point and like think about that. But it's, it's weird. Yeah. And, oh, definitely. No. Yeah, like, I, I definitely felt, and, like, still to an extent, but not as much, felt like I was just kind of, like, in a, like, faith void at the start of last mm. semester. I was like, I don't know what to do about this. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this is how I, I fix that slightly. It, honestly, whatever kind of helps. <laughs> that uh, That's important. And um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that Nikayla's church still surprises everyone when I tell them they're Baptist. It is very surprising. <laughs> It's like, everyone's like, wait, what? But thank you, Nikayla's Church, for doing online Zoom sessions that make people feel included and have rhythms in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. What are the chances Nikayla listens to this episode? 
I I don't I feel like she's listened to some of our episodes. I'm surprised Colin didn't listen to the last episode. Usually, whenever we have so, like a good guest on, Colin listens. I mean, it's possible he listened and just had nothing to say about it. Oh, that's even that might be worse. <laughs> I mean, he we spent the whole time to... talking about Taylor Swift and Little Women, so I feel like that's right up Colin's alley. Maybe. Um, Colin, if you're listening to this, leave a leave a sick comment. If you're here like an hour and a half in, props to you, man. Yeah. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, Ben, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, happy inauguration. Happy inauguration. Uh, thank you, visionaries, for always being supportive in the comments. We appreciate every single one of your comments. All like three of them. And they're all from Ben. Ben and sometimes Ash and sometimes Colin Comments. Yes, it's true. Um, thank you, Maddie, for apparently listening to episodes I didn't honestly when you said that last episode that you even listened to any, that kind of surprised me. I've been I've been getting like I've heard I think was it Anna who was talking to me who like said she listened to a couple? There are still people. I mean we're getting like thirty to forty to fifty, thirty, forty. It's um, kinda dropped a little bit lately. It's it's dropped a little bit, but not like drastically. Like the last couple were thirty and twenty six, which is kind of low for us. That is a little bit low. We we have days where just randomly it pops off, like we get twenty listens. No, it's I mean, true. It's weird, but the but CCM is also... still popping. CCM is at three hundred listens plus. Three hundred and eleven. I don't know why. I don't know why uh, but it is. Thank you if you're here from that episode. <laughs> And you stuck around. Follow us on Twitter, dang it. Send us comments. Yeah, do you get any DMs? Never, never, other than from Ben. Same. I don't, it's like my Instagram. I feel like we should make an announcement now. Oh? Ben, you are cordially invited on the podcast. Yeah. We are going to have a whole episode where you can run the show. Oh, yikes. Don't frame it like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll have you on the podcast and we'll devote an episode to you. I don't know come when. Come with a topic. Yeah, come with a topic. We'll we'll plan a time. It might not be till like February, but like we'll make it happen. Might not be till April first. It, it would be kind of perfect. It would be really funny. But um, as always, everyone, thanks for showing up. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, send more things to the Glenn and Frank fan page, or else it's just permanently going to be dead, which I guess is okay now. But like, yeah. It was it was a 2020 meme. It lived a good life. It did. It really did. And uh, I guess uh, try to love each other. The world is nuanced and complicated. And that's... I. That's just the way she is. So on Toronto, um, happy Thanksgiving. Merry New Year. It is the New Year. We never talked about that, but it's uh, the New Year. Does it even feel like uh, a New Year? It, it, no, it... I've been writing like 2020 dash one because yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah, um, exactly. Good luck. Live well. Love people. Wear masks. Wear masks. The end. Good night, Seattle.